Gentlemen, I'm sure you, my airline colleagues, envy me of uh, standing in here. My team has asked me to gather as much intelligence as possible from you guys, so I'm going to be asking all the hard questions, <laughs> and you'll have to answer them. <laughs> Anyways, um, really, I'm, I'm here uh, at the invitation of a global loyalty organization to uh, uh, moderate this, this panel. Global loyalty organization is a global uh, independent uh, network of loyalty professionals. Uh, we're a member of that. I believe Air France as well is a member of uh, the Global Loyalty Organization, but we have other members uh, from other industries like Accord, Deloitte, uh, and Visa, uh, part of the network, and we exchange uh, regularly. I think this is a great platform like this one for us to uh, talk about some of the trends. I'm going to address the elephant in the room, even though, Gerald, you've, you've started talking about it, but I would love also to hear from Ben as well. Um, I believe many, you know, my colleagues agree with me. The pandemic put us on the spotlight uh, for our contribution to the bottom line during COVID. We were probably the only unit that kept on generating revenue for the airlines and a uh, big contribution to the bottom line. Uh, Post-pandemic, totally different picture with the boom in travel, not enough seats available for our members to redeem on. Uh, so big challenge for us. Uh, we've seen instances of I would call program devaluation. Uh, all of us have approached it in a different way, uh, but you know, it is, we call a spade a spade. It is somewhat of a program devaluation. So I would like really to find out how your guys are. They're welcome to, to, to join in. But how are you guys uh, weathering the storm through, uh, really you know, with, with this change from pre-pandemic or during the pandemic to the post-pandemic? I guess I'll start. Um, so it's true. I mean, I think we, um, uh, uh, certainly during the pandemic, and I think now even more so, it's clear that the loyalty organization is the one responsible for a lot of the uh, more resilient revenues that, that come in. And I think um, we've seen recently some really significant changes in the industry, both uh, in Europe with British Airways, but in the U.S. with Delta, um, you know, and how even a small change or, you know, can have a outsized impact from those who are most loyal. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, when we look at uh, American, for example, when they followed the change to um, kind of more, you know, total revenue-based uh, accumulation for status, their, um, you know, the, the, the spend on their co-branded credit cards went up, the number of co-branded credit card applications went up, uh, the spend on their partners went up, and by extension, their commission. Um, so I think, and the reason I'm mentioning the U.S. in particular is because I think there you have a, uh, a true understanding, or rather a different understanding, of the importance of loyalty towards the bottom line. Having worked in the North American market, now working in Europe, I can tell you that it's a totally different uh, totally ball game, so to speak. Um, the reliance that we have on our co-run credit cards is a lot less due to the regula regulated interchange fees in Europe. Um, I see a lot of nodding heads, you're all familiar with the challenges we face. Um, that being said, we have a strong business in the credit card conversions, so um, primarily Americans, but transferring their points from Amex or Chase or City uh, into our program and then redeeming. Um, to your point about the limited availability, one of the strengths to toot our own horn uh, of Flying Blue in our case is we have dynamic inventory. Uh, we were actually one of the first ones to move towards this in the, about 10 years ago. Uh, and that was uh, uh, done at the request of our members, which allows them to redeem for any seat on the plane. Um, so we have, of course, when you know the plane is full, to, to help us get rid of distressed inventory, you have the cheapest uh, seats available, uh, the saver inventory or, or the, lim the more limited uh, seats for lower prices. 
Um, but of course you can then, if you want to go on a particular date or on a particular flight, you can use more miles to buy that seat. So for us, that just helps kind of shield the members a little bit from these kinds of valuations uh, because it just mimics um, the, the, not one-to-one, -one, but it does mimic kind of the commercial value of the, of the seats, which does again, um, keep our revenue management team happy and uh, our, also our members. Geralt, anything to add to that? Um, yeah, first of all, I think loyalty has a commercial um, Im impact. Um, the thing is, we are today not able to show it. But loyalty is changing the customer behavior. And this is, um, I, would, I would say, it is often not rational, it is very emotional. Um, so, and that's why we are working on this customer lifetime value concept so heavily, because we would like to show this commercial impact. So, what is the real commercial impact of the loyalty program um, to the bottom line of, of the airlines? Um, because what we know, for instance, um, a customer who had a, a business class redemption flight for the first time. Hi. Uh, hi, the party's going on. Eh? <laughs> um, a customer who had uh, a business class redemption, uh, redemption uh, flight for the first time and never booked full fare business class tickets before is booking it afterwards. Um, and that's what I mean with loyalty is changing the customer behavior also in terms of, you know, you're giving them a perk, you experience, you have the experience and then you're changing your, your, um, uh, your buying behavior. So, but we need to make it transparent. That's, that's the key aspect of it, and that's why we're working on the lifetime concept. Thanks, Gerald. And actually, talking about customer behavior, and turn to, to Bruce, you published the paper just a couple of weeks ago, or even actually not even less than that, talking about the three major trends that you've seen in terms of the behavior of, uh, of, lo of lo loyalty members. Um, I think you talk about the, um, the introduction of more, or the prominence of lifestyle loyalty, one thing, I think the second thing, talking about relevance and, and recognition, and the third thing, something that Gerald talked about earlier when talking to her uh, about the simplicity and accessibility of programs. Could you just take us a, uh, a bit uh, more into, into details? Sure. Um, maybe just for context, and I think my colleagues have already mentioned, you know, that there's a, quite a different marketplace that's come back post-pandemic, and I think the, the mix of customers, the, the heavy predominant leisure blended market, maybe less of the road warriors, sort of changed the, the makeup of the market. I think that's a bearing going forward with the construct of loyalty programs. The other one is the monetization uh, to points made by Gerald. You know, I think there's a realization now that loyalty is a highly valuable asset and it needs to be monetized and quantified in ways that contribute to the overall business. Um, so the first one really sits around lifestyle, and it really, if you go with the notion that there's a different marketplace out there, yes, there's a lot of people traveling, but the frequency on average has probably come down a little. So the question becomes, how do you stay relevant with an audience when they're not traveling on your aircraft or in your hotels or whatever space across the loyalty and travel aspect of you play? Um, and it really speaks to being part of their everyday lives rather than just their travel lives, and I think that's where lifestyle kicks in. And that's where partner ecosystems and the ability to stay relevant when people aren't in your brand so that when they do come back to the travel world your brand is top of mind and clearly that can be done through things like co-brands but not necessarily partnerships of any sort can play a role to do that so that's that's what lifestyle speaks to and um, when i talk about relevance and recognition um relevance in the sense of and this is something we observe we work with a lot of brands around the world in travel and hospitality the, the, Often they go back to the well, to the, the program, the construct, to say, I need to reboot this, it's clearly not working, I need to look at the value proposition, when in fact, often it's the marketing that brings it to life that's actually not performing against the backdrop of a program that's probably quite robust, 
it's just not being communicated well. And maybe just to give you some quick stats, the, the drop-off of return travelers that come into a loyalty program is quite significant in terms of a second or repeat travel behavior. And the ability to have marketing to onboard and educate and inaugurate people into a program is super important. And a lot of brands don't do that very well. So it's a big area of relevance. And the recognition speaks to a deprived market that's come back into a marketplace two years on and is looking for those small touches. And these aren't just necessarily status and benefits. These are just the small recognition touches that I think, and we'll talk about this throughout this morning. On our simplicity and accessibility, it's, it's just about dumbing down programs. For many, these are legacy programs that have been around a long time and become quite elaborate in form, and for a consumer, quite hard to understand. So taking a 40,000 foot view of a program, it's quite a labyrinth of, of, of complexity. But consumers see it like a tunnel. They're traversing from one door to the next. And the ability to be able to simplify and make accessibility into that program and drive incrementality is super important. So that's it. Thanks, Bruce. And maybe go back to my uh, airline colleagues and maybe start with Mark. Uh, welcome to the panel. Um, can you elaborate a little bit? You know, we heard about the three, trend, uh, three trends that, uh, that Bruce talked about and how, how are you adapting uh, to these trends as well? If you're seeing the same thing in your member base and how you're adapting to it. Hello. Hey, guys. Sorry for being late. It's not an Etihad OTP, I promise you. It's just me. Uh, yeah, look, I think on the everyday side, uh, three years ago, we launched the Miles on the Go product in Etihad Guests and allowed the currency to be surfaced in an ecosystem of, you know, a thousand plus merchants. That was kind of the beginning of the narrative of how we can get the currency to be prevalent in a non-air space. I think what is evolving now is we still drive the member to come to our ecosystem to transact. I think our, our currency needs to be surfaced in their ecosystem instead, so it becomes part of their life rather than forcing the member into our lives, if that makes sense. So I think that's an evolution of that space. I think simplicity is definitely important, um, but I think also what's gonna happen is we need to put some of the choice back in the member's hands. So at the moment, to your point, Bruce, I think we have a legacy product that is a tier benefit structure that's the same for everybody, irrespective of whether you're corporate or family leisure flyer, whether you fly once a year or 25,000 times a year, whatever it may be, there is always the same tier benefits. I think the member needs to take some of the, the ownership of that and give them the choice of what they wanna do when they're flying for that certain kind of uh, transaction. On the recognition side, I think Skywards does a great job of recognizing the members through your experiential product. You have a great asset suite of sponsorships. We're in the, at the beginning of doing that. What we're seeing is members are enjoying uh, the ability to engage with us in a non-kind of transactional sense. So taking them to football games with the City Football Group or taking them on flights and normal services is meaning that we can talk to them in an informal sense. And that emotional connection is not just a narrative in an email. It's, an, it's a narrative that you're having face-to-face, one-to-one. So, I think as we come out of COVID, members are still expecting that emotional connection, and so we can find ways to recognize them by taking them on trips, but also engaging with them more frequently to understand what they like. Gauss or Ben? I think, yeah, I, I would, I would um, echo what, uh, what Mark said, because I mean, I think the emotional aspect uh, leads to what we call, or what I call kind of the you know, aspirational uh, rewards and, and irrational behavior uh, in order to achieve those. Um, when I say rational behavior, I don't mean that in a negative sense. What I mean is you go out of your way uh, to take a flight that might have an extra connection or be less convenient or more expensive, which of course is the goal, uh, because you're loyal to, to the airline um, or hotel chain or car rental company, that kind of thing. Um, and you know, we see our, our partners of core uh, on the hotel space, they've done very similarly the experiential aspect where you know, because they sponsor the, the Paris, uh, the soccer team in Paris, and uh, you can use your miles to go train on the pitch with the players, which is something that's so unique. Um, you know, people are extremely loyal because, and, and they don't end up using their points for hotel rooms, but they use it for these kinds of experiences. And so we're 
similarly to uh, to Etihad, we're also in the early stages of developing that, especially in light of the uh, the Olympics coming uh, to Paris next year, um, as well as of course the you know some of the the more experiential uh, items that we have, you know the, the Michelin star chefs that we have, you know, based of the the, the culinary kind of expertise in France, that kind of thing. Um, we also see that that when um, uh, emotion drives customer behavior, there's a lot of, there's a lot of real attachment to the program. Um, which means that you have your own ambassadors in talking to their own networks and their own friends and families and colleagues, um, which can help drive business. So that's, for me, I mean, I think it's a big reason to, you know, treat your customers with respect to make sure that you communicate well. And I think, you know, gone are the days when you can try to spin a negative change, which is going to happen, you know, sometime uh, into a positive because people talk and people, you know, feel insulted if you uh, uh, try to, you know, uh, try to do that. So I think that's the other thing too is we're looking at how we change our communication to make sure that it is um, transparent uh, in a way that perhaps um, you know it, that mimics I think what the expectations of the customer is. No, I mean I can really um, second what, what you basically said. Um, I had an uh, interesting exchange a couple of weeks ago and I learned um, if, um, a sentence which I really like, experiences over things. Um, and what does it mean? So we see overall that customers are spending more on experiences like restaurants, you know, also traveling, um, by the way, and less on things, classical, you know, retail stuff uh, and things like that. And I think this is a new phase. So we are entering now this phase coming out from the pandemic, experiences over things. So you rather invest uh, in your personal experience, also in, you know, meeting friends, uh, families and so on, uh, rather than buying the next uh, stuff you don't need. Um, and I think from this point, it, it plays a major role for the loyalty program to exactly address these experiences and to create also these experiences because it's not just the transactional part, it's the emotional part. Yeah. And uh, this will be, uh, I, I think it's a trend, it's an ongoing trend, it's not a, uh, a spotlight. So to say. Thank you. Ricky, as an airline partner, how does your product actually uh, support the airlines um, into face some of these trends? Well, I think everyone knows that travel insurance is the sexiest product in the travel space. <laughs> can, we, can we all just start and agree I, to I that? I agree. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So at Allianz, we don't, we don't assume. We don't assume what the traveler, the customer is looking for. You know, it used to be cost. It used to be the time. It used to be, is it going to, what's the weather going to, what's going to happen with the weather around travel insurance? And what we've learned and what we continue to learn and to evolve is that it's around safety, security, and well-being. And that well-being ties to the lifestyle and everywhere that, that these gentlemen have talked about um, and how can we create products that can work in each of our partners' ecosystems? How can we make sure more importantly, sorry, partners and prospects, sir, um, <laughs> that we're, we're understanding your brand and supporting your brand and so we do that with each of our partners a little differently, making sure that our products are easy to understand, easy to purchase, and easy to claim. So when you have that something goes wrong moment, I think you talked about if there's an IROP or if something goes wrong, that we're here and we're here to fix it as quickly as possible. We can't prevent things from happening, but we can make them better by responding quickly and supporting customers and our partner's brand. And that's key to what we're doing to focus and what we're maniacally focused on uh, to support our partners in this changing world. Thanks, Rikki. I think the next sexiest thing to, uh, to an insurance uh, is the uh, being a payment network. So <laughs> I'll ask you, Bruce. Uh, 
that's, that's your call, I guess. I, 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 I see it differently from my agnostic point of view, but yeah. Okay. Oh, Bruce, just, but, I know MasterCard is beyond just being a payment network. They provide some advisory services, I think, to the airlines. We had a chance to work with uh, with you guys on, on some personalization, I think, uh, work for uh, for Skywars. Can you just talk, talk to us a little bit about some of the use cases that you had lately working with the airline partners and how you're supporting them in understanding these new trends and and, and new segments, emerging segments. Yeah, we've been um, you know, working with some carriers uh, a little along the lines of what I was talking about earlier in, in terms of bringing the, the program to life, the, call it the contact strategy or the, the life cycle. And a lot of that's untouched territory that needs a major overhaul. And I think it presents a lot of bottom line, top line opportunity, to be honest. Um, we're also helping brands with um, invigorating the, the proposition itself or introducing a co-brand potentially into their ecosystem. So. Yeah, we cover the span of services. I, I will tell you, just an unpaid advertisement, we are, as a strategy consulting unit, somewhat agnostic to payments and things like platforms. So we, we go in purely to help businesses succeed uh, through the space of loyalty and customer engagement. But what we're sensing, and this is a universal truth, is um, you know, loyalty is taking a high profile in many businesses. And I think it's been recognized now that it's not just when things are good or things are bad that loyalty plays a more predominant role. I think it's just a, a natural element of the infrastructure of the business and back to the monetization aspect it's clearly commercially beneficial but as a bridge to a marketplace to actually activate incremental activity and drive value and drive experiences beyond the, the flight the experience absolutely critical and we see a lot of energy around that right now thanks bruce i um you know if we zoom into a specific segment, and I think Gerald just talked earlier uh, about uh, the new trends that you're seeing and some of the new um, travelers that we're seeing, just uh, if we just zoom into the millennials, which is a truly a very fickle, um, you know, set of people who are not, you know, loyal. We talk about co-brands as well. Not sure that they is something that they look um, at. They love the experience part of it, the emotional uh, connections, but they're not committed, uh, if you will, as well. They're very technology savvy as well. So we have to engage with them differently. How are we, from an airline perspective, uh, engaging with this, this new uh, segment uh, that is really emerging, that has high demands, but sometimes uh, doesn't commit to the brand? Uh, sure. Uh, interestingly, I mean, at least in Europe, there's a much bigger focus from that age group on sustainability. Yeah. Um, and I say in Europe because, you know, coming from the North American market where the topic is barely even registers, but in Europe it's quite, it's quite strong. Um, we have platinum members, for example, who say, you know, I'm, I'm a platinum member with you, I love flying with you uh, for work, you know, you're my carrier of choice, um, but I don't want you to recognize me when I'm traveling with my friends or family. Uh, because I'm embarrassed, because it means that when they recognize me as a Platinum member, it means that they know that I travel a lot. Um, this is the reality that we have, right? So, you know, I can't tell the customer that, that she's wrong in this case. Um, and so it's a new challenge for us. And I think, you know, historically, you know, for my airline colleagues and those who travel a lot, uh, you know, you see the luggage tags people proudly show and you see this at security and, and as a side, you know, we usually see it's the lower tiers who are most proudly showing off the luggage tags because they're like, oh, look, I finally got something, right? Um, and so for us, what we said was, to, okay, how do we how do we start to reward sustainability? How do we start to you know change what we um, uh, what we what we consider to uh, earn status to mimic more what our customers are asking for? And so we were uh, certainly the first in Europe, and I believe one of the first in the world to change the way we award um, our status currency, or what we call XP, 
um, and historically it was only earned by flying uh, on, on you know, by flying. Uh, and what we did in 2020, I think, was when we launched uh, XP for sustainable choices. Uh, so SAF, uh, sustainable aviation fuel being the big one, uh, where you earn one XP for every 10 euros spent um, uh, as a contribution towards SAF. And what we see, what we saw when we did this was an 800% increase in uh, amount of SAF purchased. Now, it was a low base, let's be transparent, but um, still, it's a significant change, and it also, to me, shows the power that loyalty has in influencing customer behavior, purely, you know, from an objective manner, uh, going back to your question about showing uh, the other teams at the company, you know, the power of loyalty, well, here you go, the proof is in the pudding. Um, so for us, when we did this, you know, you can, we have one customer who bought a, a you know, first class La Première ticket, for, I don't know, 15,000 euros, and then bought enough SAF to then qualify her for uh, uh, one on one trip, uh, because we don't, at the moment, we don't cap the, you know, the amount of XP you can earn. So um, some, for some people, it's really important. They do it as a personal invest in, investment to compensate uh, their, their flight activity. Others, it's a way of trying to help them earn status. Um, we don't judge, uh, but it is something that we've seen has had significant success, and we're looking to expand that. Thank you. Mark, maybe I'll go to you because we're talking about this topic. I know it's dear to Etihad's heart and Kim presented last year around this. But uh, could you just talk a little bit about the success of, of the program uh, that you have? Yeah, I mean, Conscious Choices is obviously a, a massive platform for us. We launched it uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I think what we've kind of evolved at is it, it's a form of gamification as well. So that the millennial group enjoys gamification as part of their program. Um, and so we've recently released additional badges that allow almost like a, there's a tiered structure in the badges that you receive as a consequence of your sustainability um, activities. And so, um, you know, uh, the SAP elements that Ben talked about is prevalent for us, uh, offsetting everyday transactions. We work with a quick service delivery provider in the UAE to provide offsetting for the traffic, sorry, the, the, the rides that happen as a consequence of your food being delivered. So we're trying to find a way to disseminate the Conscious Choices product, not just on the flying ecosystem, but on the everyday one as well. So again, it's part of the everyday life. Um, generally, it's, it's outperformed our, number, uh, our expectations from the beginning. Uh, the numbers speak for themselves, I think, similar to what Ben talked about, where we're in the triple digits in terms of percentage growth compared to our expectations, and it's continuing to grow. Um, and I think it shows that people are conscious of what they're doing, pun intended, uh, and that we need to find a way to allow them currency to be part of that journey for them, because they're fickle, they're millennials perhaps, and so if the miles can be used to support their kind of uh, conscious choices, again, um, it means it's a bit of an easy ecosystem. And again, if they find a tangible benefit of that redemption, then ultimately they're going to continue to transact with you. We know once you redeem once, you're going to transact again. You get the benefit. So it's all part of that funnel. The virtuous yeah, exactly. life cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just build on that, if yeah. I may? Um, ben just touched on a really good point, and that is, you know, loyalty is a means to change behavior in a good way, and I think it's a force for good. And, and if, if you intersect sustainability and loyalty and customers going forward, and a, I think it, be, it goes beyond the millennial marketplace. I think there's a lot more interest in the future preservation of things by, by universally. But I think if, and I'll use the cost of coffee example, if I may, let's get out of the airlines for a second. You know, they, they now incentivize people to bring in their own cups or you know, their own uh, cups into the environment. So that where they're, they're trying to minimize or mitigate paper cups. Now you think, take that forward a little bit. Now suddenly everybody's changed their behavior, their pattern. Think of the cost savings that maybe the, the, the brand's enjoying. Maybe it's a different service delivery model now that's operating because you're not storing cups, your real estate's less. It changes the operating model. It is doing good for the planet. And the people feel good to interact with the brand that cares. And that's where mobilizing a movement, and I think where sustainability and loyalty and brands and individuals as like-minded partners 
to tackle something we all need to look at could be quite powerful going forward. I love the loyalty of force for good. I'm going to use that internally also to make the case <laughs> for loyalty and its impact. Uh, uh, Garald, and then I'll go to Ricky yeah. too. Yeah, uh, I think we, we touched a couple of things already, but uh, coming from this structural change, we, we see uh, clearly new priorities from the customer. Mm -hmm. So one is the personalization topic. I think we, we touched this one. Uh, the other one is the, is the topic joy of the use of digital channels, I would call it. And uh, to be honest, in our case, it's a bit dull to, <laughs> to use the, the digital platforms. Um, so uh, here the gamification aspect clearly comes comes in. Um, we launched a, a, an app called UpTrip together with the Lufthansa Innovation Hub. They're also here, the guys. So if you're interested, um, have a look. Well, we are um, where the customer is able to scan the boarding uh, passes to collect um, for collections and then get rewards uh, for for this collection. So it's it's a way of batches or way of collecting batches. Um, but also the sense of belonging and, and uh, meaningfulness plays a role in there. And I'm, I wouldn't say they're not loyal, they, but you know they need to have a purpose to, to commit. Um, and, and that's what we clearly see. And, and sustainability is, of course, a, a major topic for us as well. And um, I like that, uh, the phrase, um, it's a force to, to a force for good to change behavior. We are, we are saying internally we are trying to motivate um, to, yeah. Yeah, to influence um, yeah. towards a sustainable behavior. And that's why we are also, I mean, you, you've seen it in the news, we, Lufthansa launched the Green Fairs, so-called Green Fairs, so which are including 20% sustainable aviation fuels. Uh, and we are motivating the customer by giving 20% uh, uh, status uh, points on top, for instance. So, um, but this will clearly also be a, a major topic for us in 24. Yeah? How, how can we change the behavior towards these sustainable products? Uh, and we have also our own retail um, shop where you can also buy sustainable products like you know the, the upcycling um, products for instance so we're using materials from the airplane and making new products out of it and we're also incentivizing um, yeah to great, great to see all these initiatives uh, as a force for good helping with the with the planet ricky uh, for this segment specifically uh, are you modifying something around insurance products to make it more attractive to them? Do you see them engaging with the product? So a, a few things. Around sustainability, you can't touch or feel insurance, right? It's a, it's a peace of mind, uh, but we are digital by default. Yeah. So, you know, instead of sending out a lot of legalese and paper, you know, everything can be done on an app. You don't have to, you know, we're not, uh, we're not cutting trees down. Uh, from a millennial perspective, uh, there's a lot of things we're doing. Uh, we're creating new products outside of the in-flight or in-airport experience or when things could happen. You know, we go from door to door and protecting the travelers, mm -hmm. you know, full, full travel. Uh, but we're also creating lifestyle products around cybersecurity and home and easy living and doing other things so that we can support our partners in their, in their lifestyle. Um, and last, you know, millennials want things to be easy. And there was the friction-free concept that's, you know, bantered around buzzword bingo. Uh, but millennials went effortless, right? They don't want to have to think about it. Uh, so we're, we've created proactive benefits so that if something does go wrong and we're aware, we're going to reach out to, the, to anyone. You don't have to be a millennial. We're going to reach out and we're going to say, hey, there was a problem. How can we help you? Or, hey, you have a benefit. We can pay you. How would you like to be paid? And so we're going to proactively do that. There is no filing a claim. There's no no friction. It's it's effortless to that. And 
individual. I would say the you know the, the true moments of truth in loyalty is actually what do you do around disruptions or when things go bad and how do we engage with our members to be able. I think Gerard, you talked about what you do uh, in terms of personalizing that engagement, even with the crew and everybody. So that brings me into into um, the topic of technology to enable all of this um, as well. Uh, whether you know we talked about digital uh, in general, but technology in general, we have embarked us skywards into a big uh, transformation from a, a, our digital our, our loyalty back end, if you will, as well. Just I mean, Harald, you talked about unbundling. It's one of the things we always explored, but technology was not there, and hopefully with with the new platform. Uh, we would be able to do more of that because I think for for these segments, I think you know the the traditional way of doing things may have to to change a little bit so that we personalize more the the benefits to to our customers. So, um, what are you guys uh, you know seeing from a technology perspective that is helping obviously address some of these trends? Your reliance on technology. You all hate your IT department, and just, they're not fast no, enough. No, no comment. I mean, <laughs> I think. I mean, after finance, obviously, <laughs> and ROI. So, just. You know, I, I what I what I will say about our our digital team is that they're always trying to do more with less. I think that's the that's the common trend is that we all have you know increasing demands on budgets, and and they're always constrained in trying to deliver more with you know one hand tied behind their back. Um, so hats off to them, seriously. Um, but I think you know, as we try to transform, you know, as as uh, you know, the future does, you know, look kind of endless uh, in terms of what technology will allow us to do with AI and all of that. Um, it's how do we harness it? Um, seeing some of the things that ChatGPT can do, it's uh, I mean, it's quite it, it's scary. It's cool. It's you know, kind of all of the above. Um, but I think for us, what we're really focusing on now is trying to actually fully build a proper CRM tool. Uh, that ties in everything from you know your, your purchase behavior with or without a flying blue account, um, your you know your preferences, what happens on board, um, how far in advance you book you know a flight, you know the kinds of tickets you normally book, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then in phase two, of course, we'd like to work more with our partners to plug that in as well, uh, to be able to then help you know more more predictive uh, uh, you know targeting for our customers and emailing and online advertisements, SEO, that kind of stuff. Um, for us, it's kind of the, the best. Uh, uh, best way to kind of go after more revenue is by having more precise, more relevant uh, offers, uh, both on the loyalty side as well as on the, on the digital side. Anybody else? Yeah, I, was, I would say, from, from an Allianz perspective, um, you know, AI, ML, we've been using them for, you know, 10, 15 years. We have 280 billion data points uh, to be able to make that relevant offer, exactly what you were talking about. Uh, but what we are focused on now is taking that to the claims process, right? How can we pay a claim quickly? How can we pay a claim without even someone filing a claim? And if we have to deny a claim, how can we do that quickly too? Because we can't pay everything, but we need to have clear and concise communication, and we're using the data that we have and the technology that we have to, to certainly focus on those, on those points as part of the process. Yeah, maybe a different um, different angle besides the, the topic that you need to to have a, a database, a, a proper one, and bringing the data and connecting the dots and bringing the data into the customer journey. Uh, I think what is driving us and important for our, for us is also the uh, the operating model. So how are we working together internally to develop this this uh, products? How are we working together with IT and and all the digital um, digital departments? Uh, and I think this is uh, this is a really important um, aspect because um, you know changing it to, into a, 
agile way of working, building up product teams uh, internally. This is really accelerating the, the, the process. I mean, Lufthansa is now building up the Lufthansa digital hangar. Uh, and by doing that, they're changing the operating model, and we see already that this is really accelerating the whole um, digitalization process. So I think this is a very important aspect when it comes to technology, also to empower the people, uh, to empower also the, um, the organization to exactly deliver those products and values to the customer. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I think just adding to that, uh, I think Ben touched on, I think partners play a, a huge role in our success from a technology perspective. I think by no means are we experts in everything we are trying to do on the loyalty side. We have ideas, we ideate, but we innovate with the likes of Visa and MasterCard or Points.com or Lower Solutions and those guys that allow us to kind of surface a proposition that we don't necessarily need to build ourselves. We can leverage what they've already built and make that part of our ecosystem. So I think we have DTNI teams and we have digital teams that facilitate certain parts of the business. But at the end of the day, coming from a partnership background, I think it makes more sense sometimes just to bring in someone who's an expert and support them in that journey and then collectively collaborate on what success looks like. Otherwise, we're never going to get ahead of the curve. Yeah. And just from our standpoint, so when we go into clients, you know, every idea and technology is a good one, right? And until you need a strategy first before technology actually can be enabled to make it happen. But the things I, I would challenge that should develop a roadmap for technology sit around, what are those customer universal need states that you're trying to solve for? And I've heard a few themes around choice and control and convenience. And I would attest that those are the sort of North Stars that inform your tech strategy, but it needs to be very much built around, uh, you know, giving more control to the consumer and their interaction with the brand, giving them more choices through the program proposition. And the convenience factor is a really super important one. To, to Ricky's point, make, make my life easier. And, and again, I, I would say that's a universal truth. It might be heavy and millennial, but I would say we all could do with a few minutes back in our lives. And I think anything that enables that through the brands and the execution and technology is gonna appeal. Great. By the way, I don't hold, hold any, any grudge against, against IT. I've been CTO for a year and a half while running Skyward, so I can only blame myself if, if nothing is moving. Uh, anyway, um, no, but you know, I, I think it is an important enabler for the business as we go and we try to simplify and we give more control to our customers and personalize, et cetera. I think technology and uh, AI talked about, you know, us being actually great users of AI for a long time, but now with generative AI, things are, are, are changing a little bit and we need to adopt that uh, as soon as possible. Our, our members are expecting that. Uh, maybe, I don't know, how, how are we doing on time? Five minutes? Yeah, so maybe we'll close uh, maybe with, with your thoughts. Um, I think we, we went through the pandemic, now in the post-pandemic, we seem to be also, uh, you know, really in, a, in this VUCA world, you know, uh, where it's very volatile, uncertain, uh, complex uh, world uh, that we're witnessing, uh, you know, and we need to keep up being agile. We've talked about it as well, uh, to, to either changing the, the way we operate or how do we engage with our customers. Anything we've learned in the past three, uh, four years that you guys are, you know, uh, are, are learning from and you're taking forward as, as you go. Big silence, uh, you haven't learned uh, anything. You know, we're, we're an insurance company. <laughs> we're really, resilient. Yeah, we, we think about gloom and doom all the time. Um, so, you know, what- well, well, good business for you. Yeah. Well, what we focus on, and you guys can talk, because my panel's next, so I'll give you some of my time if you want to. Um, but what we're focused on is not assuming, right? One of the things I said to begin with, don't assume what customers want. Don't think about today, think about 
eight months, 18 months, three years from now? You know, what is the future? What are we going to need? And what does safety, security, and well-being look like? And that's what we're focused on. And you know, as I mentioned, we're developing new products. Some of them will work great. Some of them may not. But we're constantly innovating and thinking about new products around the world that will focus on safety, security, and well-being, which then goes back to our partners, you know, brand and loyalty, because we are, you know, an extension of our partners' brand and, and their brand promise. Thank you, Eddie. Yeah, maybe I can um, uh, chime in here. I would frame it with uh, flexibility. So that's uh, what, what I've learned at least in all aspects. So flexibility in terms of um, building up a flexible agile organization which can react on changing customer needs, which can deliver fast um, products uh, towards the customer. Also flexibility when it comes to technology stack, right? So we still have a lot of um, legacy in the back end and how can we uh, modelize, so to say, um, also this, this technology and also flexibility when it comes to partners. So how can we also um, React and partner uh, with, with in, a, in a fast way with partners to integrate or, or to, to um, uh, reduce partners also in, uh, in a way. So flexibility uh, is the word I would summarize it. Thanks. Anything, Bruce? Uh, just to add, I, I, I think in volatile times, and let's be honest, I think they always will be, um, you still need that North Star, right? You need to know ultimately where you're trying to take. And I'll use a rather cheesy analogy, but it is a bit like flying. I mean. A pilot is empowered to actually land at a certain destination. How they get there could vary. You know, winds, air traffic, whatever. Those are the flexibilities in the moment. It's real-time data that's operating to actually, but the destination is undeniable. And I think having a site toward the North Star, that end state, um, makes somewhat simplifies a chaotic environment that you might be operating in and stops you sort of zigging and zagging when in fact, if you stay the course, you may well get where you want to go. Absolutely. Just to echo that. Just to echo that on the point about the North Star. I think for us, to reiterate, I think what we see is this aspirational behavior. Um, people want to travel. People want to dream, and they dream about their destination. They dream about going, you know, with their family to New York or to Tokyo or whatever. Um, you know, upgrading their next trip to business class, and that drives uh, um, their irrational behavior. That drives their desire to engage with us, uh, and by extension, you know, the you know influences that where they buy their tickets. You're seeing. Uh, we just announced a new order of 50 airplanes. You've seen that you know, a few other airlines have done the same. How are we going to fill them? Well, that's, that's our job. Uh, and I think we see that with loyalty. Uh, we really have power to influence that. And that, with the, with the revenge travel and all that coming back post-COVID, we see that uh, in, in reality. Mark? My only last point I'd say, I think we learned from the last three or four years that uh, every cloud has a silver lining. I think uh, it drove us to innovate and change and evolve our programs and provide other ways for members to be engaged. And I think we need to maintain that sort of trajectory. So, I mean, the world is always changing. We need to innovate through the process so we can't stay still. Uh, and I think it, that, that the whole 2020 and beyond meant that we, we, we had to innovate and change um, forcibly. And I think we will come out as a benefit of that as a consequence. So. No longer are we all legacy programs with traditional solutions. I think we're all different in our own way, and I think that needs to continue to evolve. Excellent to finish on a very positive note. I'll again summarize here, we, ha we have flexibility, innovation, uh, focusing on the North Star, and actually our members as well, making sure we're doing the right things. And then again, we're, we're trying to just look at this as an opportunity rather than, than a challenge and a problem. So it's just good for the industry to continue. Uh, to drive forward thank you guys uh, for for um, you know for all your thoughts and insights I'll take some of it and try to implement it in our own program thank you thank you, thank you.